0: Today, I'll be speaking with Jessica and Claire of Spotlight on FASD. Spotlight on FASD is the United Kingdom's first podcast dedicated to fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. With facts and figures, real-life stories, and absolutely no shame or blame, Spotlight on FASD aims to shine a light on FASD and bring conversations out of the shadows, Jessica is a final year PhD student. Her research focuses on the development of educational interventions for children and young people with FASD using creative arts practices. She discovered and became fascinated by FASD in the early months of her PhD, and her interest has only grown since then. She's not all textbook experience, though. Experience of working with those with FASD came from three years at an FASD camp. She is now the Nudge Education's FASD intervention expert. Claire is the mother of three teens with FASD who has spent the last four years navigating the world of FASD and the previous decade navigating motherhood, not knowing she was even in the world of FASD. She sits on the very first NICE, NICE, Quality Standards Panel, and has a passion for all things FASD, developmental trauma, and adoption. She discovered very quickly that she needed to become her children's FASD expert, and that's what she set out at becoming. So, welcome to FASD Hope. Thank you so much for joining me. I am thrilled to be speaking with both Claire and Jessica of Spotlight on FASD, which is a wonderful podcast in the United Kingdom. And um, we had spoken, the three of us had spoken about doing a mutual podcast Um me on their show and and they on our show for a little while now. And I'm so happy it's come to fruition. So Claire and Jessica, thank you for being on FASD Hope. Hi,
1: thank you for having us.
0: So we'll begin with each of your journeys because I know uh, they are both different when it comes to being in the FASD world. Jessica, can we start with you and your journey into FASD? Of course. So
1: I'm I'm from more of an academic, well, I am from an academic background, and I'm currently studying my PhD, looking at educational interventions for children with FASD, and um, how far in am I? Six years? Five and a half years? A long way, anyway, a long way, and that's really where my, my journey with FASD began. I came across FASD as I started my PhD, as I was looking for a condition to... To specialise my research um, in, I guess. And then, um, you know, I have I've I always say, when I started my PhD, I was reading all this literature, and it just wasn't sitting right. I just didn't understand what they were saying. I, could, I just couldn't relate it to real life. I hadn't got anything that really said to me, this is what it looks like in a classroom. These are the challenges that you will face. Everything was so medical and scientific. And I came across um, an, a residential FASD camp out in northern Illinois um, just north of Chicago and I contacted them and I went out there I worked for them for three years and that is where I gained my practical experience of, um, of FASD and um, you know like Claire's heard me say this many times now but I, I turned up to that camp on day one and I was like, I'm so far out of my depth here. I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. And by then I'd spent two years reading all the literature that there was about FASD and I just froze. And I was like, nope, not prepared. Don't know what I'm doing. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fantastic but that those experiences of camp is really were. Where I did my learning. Don't tell my supervisors that, but that's where I did my <laughs> learning.
0: That hands-on learning—it's so much different in in real life experience versus book experience, you know. Um, especially when when you learn the the complexities about FASD, having that lived experience really is meaningful so wow that's wonderful that's wonderful and Claire let's talk about your experience because you are a fellow mom just like me and uh you know we were we were thrown into the world of FASD when we became mothers so uh share with us your journey.
2: So mine mine was a very accidental journey um and I think the more I listen to Jess's story the more I realize that mine is kind of flipped on its head to hers so um I um, adopted my three children when they were all all under the age of three, um, but I kind of went through my motherhood journey for a decade, not knowing that they had FASD. So I did the opposite of Jess, and I managed all of the the. know the lived experience was my only experience and it was afterwards that i started to put the science behind it and it started to make sense to me after the after we got a diagnosis and that's when i started to learn all the academic stuff so i did it completely the other way around and i think there are huge you need people that come from both people do need to come from both angles in that order to be able to understand it fully and to be able to know what what more we need to understand about it so yeah, I had um and it was it was when we hit education because three under three, so for a little for, for two weeks they were all under three. So that's a handful, full stop for anyone. Um whether whether there's, whether there's a, a brain injury in there or not, that's a handful. And so as they grew up, so two, three, four, three, four, five, it was always going to be really difficult. Two boys in the mix, um, really boisterous, and it was just you know the the, the bulk of the time, certainly their very very early years, it was it was it was quite glorious really. It was lots of imaginary games. It was lots of playing together, lots of rough and tumble, lots of wrestling, lots of death defying um kind of activities that when I look back now I think oh, I, I used to laugh and say that after about a year um I was actually walking up the hall and I've got a, a really old house and really um tall ceilings and a huge big staircase in it and I was walking to the playroom with lunch and a a, a pair of probably two and a half to three year old feet as I walked past we were just at eye level on the outside of the staircase. And at the point that I just kind of looked up and it was my eldest son. And I just said, that's really gonna hurt if you fall from there, get down carefully. And I didn't miss a beat and I carried on walking and I put lunch out and it wasn't until I came back through and it was as if, the reflex kicked in then, and I was like, Oh my goodness. But he was down by that point because I I was very calm about it. He just very calmly got himself down because he was just seeing if he could claim the full stairs on the outside. But when he got to the top, he couldn't quite get over the banister. Um, and I, I laughed at that point and I thought, Oh my goodness, your nerves have now galvanized. Like they're galvanized. They're made of steel um you know and and as they've got older you know sometimes now we think "Mm, that's definitely a concussion but is it worth three hours in hospital I know what to do (laughs) you just it's not that you're plausible, or that you're careless you just um you gather these skills um that make you like a, a bit of everything so um yeah it, it became difficult for us at education so that's when I, I would say um, ramping up the first few years in our primary school system and that was when I started to think this is more than you know when I say just attachment and just developmental trauma I don't see that lightly they are huge things but I knew it was more than that and um, so that was the start really.
0: Yes, and I'm just nodding my head and laughing because as as a mom with lived experience first, we also did not have a diagnosis until our son was 15. But I'm nodding because of the boisterous stories. I, I think that our hospital where we were living could have named uh, a wing after us (laughs) with all of the money we paid for ER visits for emergency room visits. So I, I, yeah. Oh, I had, yeah, we, we have those stories also. Oh my goodness. So I love that your podcast is able to bring both the academic and the lived experience. That's, that's wonderful. And it's such a resource for your audience members. And we know now, you know, um, pre COVID podcasting was, you know, people thought it was nice and everything, but now it it just seems like everybody's doing a podcast. So I, I like to think that, you know, we're, we're one of the, the pioneers in FASD podcasting and hopefully you know more will will follow our suit and definitely and, and, that's
2: what that's what we, we we've talked about that haven't we Jessica We would think what and we talked about it with Jeff Noble that yes. what we would love is for when because I feel now and I've I've realized that I've started to do this a little bit when you're looking for information about something or, or if you, any kind of a topic I've started to go to podcasts now and search and score keywords. So I think people are starting to use it as a real resource where it was something for pleasure. You access things you already knew about. I think people are using it to learn now. And what we said was we would love nothing more than for every country in the world, for people to be able to log on to their podcasts and just have a choice and to be able to scroll through from so many different angles and have a choice of what to listen to. Yes,
0: yes. So it's exciting that we're able to be a part of that. I I really love that. So we were talking about uh, how you learned. When did you start Spotlight on FASD? Um, I know there was, uh, you did something prior to that together. Can you tell me a little bit about that history?
1: Yeah, we, um, so Claire and I have known each other for a few years, actually. Um, Claire did a television interview around um, FASD Awareness Day in September and and I realized that she lived locally to me and I, I was I found her on Facebook I was a bit creepy <laughs> you trapped us down didn't you <laughs> yeah so um, and I was just you know fascinated by her story and I was like I'd, I'd love to get coffee and and hear more and and things um so we'd known each other for quite a while and we were both involved um involved we both knew of uh, this local company who um, provide educational interventions. And with them, we started a little podcast. We featured on five episodes of theirs. It's Nudge Education. um, And we we just really enjoyed it and decided to go from there. So I think they launched in September and then we just continued it, didn't we? So it was probably mid-October that we took over. We're still very, very new to this. So it's kind of a few
2: guests. So we kind of collaborated with Nudge Education for a few weeks. Um, It's an education provision that I had accessed. So I found it as a mother and accessed it as a a parent. Um, And then Jessica had kind of accidentally stumbled upon it when she was looking at some stuff. So, and I had been talking to them a lot about FASD and, um, you know, within the first few weeks of, of talking to them about my children, I had them kind of scratching their heads and like, Oh, actually, I think that's what's going on there. That's what's going on there. They start to look at their case load and we're like, right. And, and I'm saying, this is huge and you really need to, to be getting on board. And so they were like, this is fantastic. What can we do? So we, we, we collaborated for a little bit, but then we realised because Nudge Education are are a fantastic provision, and what they do, they they re-engage chronically disengaged children with the education system, so they deal with children with lots of different diagnoses. So they knew that they wanted to dip into FASD on on the the podcast, and then they were going to start and do them about other areas, but Jess and I knew just how enormous. Like, we could do a podcast episode every week for the rest of our lives, and we wouldn't cover every eventuality, we wouldn't cover every aspect of it. So, at that point, well, we, we just enjoyed doing it so much. And I think it's because I get confidence from Jessica because a lot of people, and it's a little bit of imposter syndrome, probably, because I, deep down, I do know that I am an expert but I don't have any qualifications to say that I am that expert. It's lived experience. Um, and I always feel I love the 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 backup coming from the academic side of, of, of jessica and so i think that's why we work so well together um but when once we started talking we just loved it and so we just chatted and i think that's what makes it nice because it's it can be a heavy topic and we were adamant that we wanted it to be positive and that we wanted to 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 pull the positives out of it all um and we just we were just like we we've got so many planned that you know if you know it will go on for years and years because there's just you know, more and more people are getting in touch with us about it now, subscribing and listening and telling us what they want to hear us talk about. So, yeah, it's just kind of taken off, hasn't
0: it? It, it, it has. And, you know, we feel like my husband and I, when we started our podcast, um, literally just doors opened and people would just, you know, email us and we have a website too. And they would just email us through the website saying, Oh, you know, can I talk about this or people Mm -hmm. reaching out to us, you know, and, and I I agree a hundred percent that I think it's so enjoyable doing a podcast because for me, and I, I've shared this before, I think it's self-care because I actually get some time away to talk to, re, you know, people about real conversations, you know, rather than, you know, yelling at my kids. Well, I don't, I don't yell, but. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I, get I don't know how many times Jessica's heard me say that, but this is my self-care. It is, because, isn't it? Yeah, 100% because she'll sometimes say it to me, it may get to a Friday night and she'll be like, are you sure you know, are you, are you sure? I can we do this? And I'm like, this is my break. Yes, this, is it my, is. this is me looking after myself, yeah.
0: And you bring up such a wonderful point, point, Claire, that with podcasting, more and more people are getting their information about podcasting, but it's a wonderful way to communicate to people because you can you can express your personality. you You can express your viewpoints. I follow Pat Flynn, who's like one of the big podcasters here in the United States. And he, he started podcasting, you know, I think in 2008 and he made a comment um, that when you podcast, you are in that person's ear giving them that information directly, which, you know, on blogs, you can't do that on social media. You can't do that. And even on YouTube, you can, but not to the, you know, to the intimate effect of you're speaking in somebody's ear. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I hope to be podcasting for years also. It's, it's just such a wonderful medium to share information. And Claire, I think I, I, you and I would probably be in agreement with the statement, but I think that lived experience for me, the most valuable experience was coming from other parents who had been on the journey and maybe were up the road a little bit so they could, you know, give retrospect advice Yeah, I mean, academic experience is wonderful. And and the people that I've met in academia who who get FASD have been gems. Um, But honestly, probably up until maybe a year or two ago, most of the experience that was valuable to our family was through other parents.
2: Yeah, because it normalizes it. It makes you feel less scared and less alone and it normalizes your life. And I think that you know we've we've talked about this a lot, that it's it's a very isolating world in the, in the beginning. And I know that my motivation when when um Jess and I've we've, we've done lots of different things together, we've always we've just never drifted apart, really, have we? We've always we came together, we've, we've just never drifted apart, we've always sailed along parallel, and we always knew that we we're gonna end up doing something together. And my motivation um for specifically for a podcast was um, I know how lonely nights can be during the night when you're awake with with a, a child that isn't able to sleep or doesn't have a very good sleep pattern and five or six years ago I would have sold my soul to be able to have listened to another mother who was going through what I was going through just to make me feel not alone to calm my fears to calm my nerves and, and even if all I was hearing is this is happening to me and this and this and this and, and with no no answers or no if you do this this will get better just to feel like it wasn't it just wasn't me and that was my motivation and it already we've had um people people who I know in the FASD world reach out, but also the nicest part is people who I've never met before getting in touch with us and just saying that that was exactly what I needed to hear. And I laughed and I cried and, and that, that I've fulfilled my goal as far as I'm concerned already to have got just, just helped one person.
0: Absolutely. So Jessica, um, we often on FASD hope, we, we focus on the hope related to um, FASD, but we also talk a lot about the statistics in the United States about FASD. We share facts because we want people to not only be inspired, but to also be educated and especially like up-to-date statistics. So can you share with me, um, Jessica, some of the statistics about FASD and facts about FASD in the United Kingdom?
1: I can try But we we currently have a very, very tricky diagnostic pathway in England specifically. So in 2019, in January, 2019, Scotland released their diagnostic criteria for FASD. So they started seeing, I mean, it's always been there of course, but they started to really get some some figures around um, prevalence rates and things. But in England, we're a little bit further behind. We don't yet have that that clear diagnostic structure in place to support clinicians and a lot of children go undiagnosed as a result of that. It's very, very, very hard. The best figures we've got, um, there was a screening study carried out by um, a friend of mine who was at uh, Bristol University, and her stats came back that from the sample that she studied, any, anywhere between six and seventeen percent of those children could have received an FASD diagnosis upon further investigation. The I think the figures that I think we like to look at in the UK are more around three to five percent of the general population, which. I think is very similar to yeah
0: actually yeah we use the three to five percent also
1: yeah yeah but I think we probably are looking at closer to six to seventeen percent if if we're really really being honest with ourselves but a lot of the challenge that we have and I think this is the case in in the U.S. or in a lot of the states anyway and, and parts of Canada and things is that we require that admission of prenatal alcohol exposure we require that documentation to be able to move forward and and that that causes a barrier so it's it's hard we we don't have the numbers that that we would like to have
0: yes you're right it is so challenging to get that diagnosis because there are so many factors involved and because in especially in cases of foster care and ad- adoption, or even, you know, biological, people don't know if they drank during that time period or, or you know, especially if it was an un- unplanned pregnancy. In the UK, approximately how many, um, what's the percentage of pregnancies that are estimated to be unplanned? 40 to
1: 45.
0: Yeah, ours, ours is somewhere around 50%. So, Yeah. And it's amazing. And I love, you know, when I read your intro, I love how you talk about there's no shame and no blame. And, and that is a huge, I think, beacon of your podcast and something that we hope to do too, is that no matter whether, you know, you created your family through adoption, through foster care, you know, by birth, it's, it's so important for us to say that, you know, there is, we need to get rid of the stigma that is with FASD. And that's probably a big reason why so many people are apprehensive about talking about it or, you know, uh, don't want to go further into it because they think, you know, that that is something that there's such a negative connotation that goes with FASD. Yeah. So, Either, either one of you, what's your primary mission, um, especially looking into, we're finishing up 2020, looking into 2021, what is your primary mission or, you know, a couple of goals that you have for Spotlight on FASD as we go into the new year?
2: I think. Well, I think I'll start a little bit because Jess and I just had this conversation a few days ago. We decided to start this podcast. We literally went, "Should should we do that?" Yeah, uh, and then we just pressed record. And then, then a couple of weeks later, I bought a microphone, and then Jess bought one and that was it wasn't it that was the prep that 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 was just like let's just start recording and 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 let's just do it um so we've we've yet and because we've got such busy lives we're like we'll literally get together online for maybe 60 minutes to do what we need to do so we haven't got a cut like we haven't got a concrete plan for the new year but our motivation is what, what drives us is the stigma, is is, is ridding the stigma, reducing the stigma, challenging professionals around the stigma, um, and, and educating professionals, that's what drives us. And, and we, we know that we're about to see changes in, in, in England in 2021, because um, the guidelines that, that Jessica was talking about um, earlier, so we've got our NICE, which is the National Institute for Care Excellence, which kind of governs our national health service um which actually a little side note made me think when you commented about how much you've spent in in er or on, on your family i am beyond grateful for our national health service that I access that care for free for my children and for our concussions and our rugby boots to the heads and our falls that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm just and burns and I'm so grateful because I would dread to think what that would have cost me times three. Um, so yeah, we've, um, the, the, the nice quality standards are going to be introduced this year. So changes are afoot. It's not going to be, it's not going to be rapid changes, but huge, big, cog wheel changes in our whole system are going to start happening in 2021 um and we we just want to be there shouting relentlessly about the this, this stigma and, uh, and and shooting that down at every turn because that's that's our biggest motivation because we're both I've worked alongside and supported um for equal numbers of um adopted or um kind of special guardianship carers but also um biological birth moms as well and you know when we talk about how this accidentally happened so many times and you know i, I always talk about when we know what we're dealing with it doesn't really matter how it happened that's gone and it's done and we don't need to look back how it happened and we can't have any attitude about how it happened we're we faced with a child or a young person or an adult who has um lifelong limitations because of this so we just need to, to get things in place and support them in a positive way so i think um we've never really discussed it this, this is this is us making our plan now live <laughs> but that's that's what i think anyway what do you think jess
1: yeah just to see it grow really yeah we were laughing because when we were doing the the podcasts with nudge claire and i would go into the office and we would start talking before they'd even set up the equipment like we're just talking and talking like you've got to just shut us up at some point because we can like we'll just talk fasd all day and we'll go off on all these these tangents and um and yeah, like Claire said, we just decided to just grab a couple of microphones and hit record and <laughs> see if other people wanted to hear us talk all day. Um, but just to try and share our, our conversations with as many people who want to listen because it, I, I find it agonizing how many people aren't aware of this condition. I'm 30 and I've got a lot of friends who are starting families, that are planning, planning pregnancies and things. And, you know, I'm not in a position to say to people, like, you need to stop drinking. And I wouldn't do that, but they all know what I do. And that, that for me is, is enough. Mm-hmm. Should they choose to ever listen to my podcasts? Great. Because that will be where it starts.
0: Again, we've shared, there are never, there are never too many people talking about FASD. Um, it, it's so... I think it's so unknown, or there's so many misconceptions about it. So I'm so happy to hear that you're starting this movement, you know, in the UK, and hopefully, again, that would be a wonderful goal if every country could have a podcast about FASD. Because even though we have mutual, you know, we we have a lot of mutual goals and things like that. Of course, you know, every country is different, so it would be wonderful if if each country could could focus on the challenges, you know, that their um, citizens have, and and then. Their system, and I'm so excited, Claire, to hear about the the overall the systemic changes that are coming with FASD. We've been wanting that to happen here in the United States for so long, and we look to um, our mutual friend podcaster like Jeff Noble in Canada. Canada is like it seems like they are light years ahead of us, you know, when it comes to research and when it comes to awareness and, and conversation. So. I hope, my hope is that, you know, the UK, the United States, we start catching up with Canada in that, you know, it's so much of a bigger conversation up there and um, hopefully that will have a ripple effect, you know, with, with where we're all located.
1: It's quite
2: interesting because Jeff actually spoke to us a little bit about how everyone, I think everyone looks to Canada as like the light like years ahead of everyone and he he mentioned that, didn't he, Jessica? He he said, I know that everyone looks to us, but but we we still have light years to go in development. You know, so yeah, they are the best of a bad bunch sounds awful really, but they they're ahead of us all, but but he recognises that living there and accessing the services, there are still a long, long way to go there as well. So there's there's but I think it makes it for easier work when there are a lot more people kind of pushing it forward, doesn't it? You know, especially globally. I think podcasts make it such, make the world so small that it feels manageable to be able to to spread it across.
0: Yes, yes. Small and yet still, I like to say, you know, the conversation is personal, you know, when you're hearing somebody in your headphones, or when you're, you know, watching on your laptop, it it feels like you're just one on one with that person who's speaking. So absolutely, that's a wonderful point. Let's just talk a little bit about podcasting, because I don't know about you both. But and actually, I think you, we've shared this, but I, I love Podcasting. I think it's fun. I think it's um, a great way to learn. I feel like I learn more than, you know, more than I expect with every conversation I have, you know, from anyone, from professional fellow parent, um, an adult that has an FASD. So, what do you each like the most about podcasting?
2: But you go, I always talk too much.
1: Um, I, don't, I don't know whether 2020 and our move online has has impacted this for me. I, I find that it's it really hard to separate, but it's, it, it's capturing these conversations that we're having. And I feel like that with with Claire and I coming together, we were having all these conversations anyway. And I feel like it's just, it's a way of capturing... And sharing these conversations and, and around the world, like you say, like getting into people's ears <laughs> and, and making it really really accessible. And with FASD being so complex and this it's quite it's very overwhelming to start learning about. If anybody's walking into fostering or adoption or and or you know learning about FASD in any way, what we have an opportunity to do. All of us have an opportunity to do here is to make these like really small manageable easily accessible functional ways of learning and literally delivering it right to their phone like here you go you're going to the grocery store that's fine here's a podcast learn on the way like you're doing some laundry here you go put your headphones in done Um, and I think if you take that information to people it just makes it so much more manageable and I think that that's what that's what we've got a really wonderful opportunity to do here with, with podcasting.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think that when people ask me, what do you like the most about podcasting? I think there are so many facets to that, to that question. And, um, and Claire, how about you, you know, fellow oh, busy mom to fellow busy mom.
2: Selfishly. One of my favorite things about it is the fact that I spend um, so much of my time as the not around adults just you know my my three kids who are teenagers of 30 40 15 and they're either consuming every aspect of me or going through a little few hours of a phase of, of being an average teenager and completely ignoring us so after I talk, I love to talk, I talk far too much, I talk all the time, talk when I shouldn't talk. And this is just lovely because instead of having to talk to myself at home or to the dogs, I can talk and I'm helping people. So selfishly, that's one of my favorite things about it, that I get to channel my, my incessant chatter about what's going on to something useful. Um, and I think and when you were talking I was thinking a little bit one of the one of the things that I love about podcasting in general and and I suppose this is listening to them as well is when you know this when you when you're um, a mother in a situation like like we are in you start reading at a ferocious rate and I've probably done the equivalent of Probably conservatively four degrees worth of study um, during the night, and but but sometimes it's not a good thing, and sometimes it becomes unhealthy because I used to love to read, and reading was my escape, and I I, I would devour books, I loved them, I was a real bookworm, and over the years I noticed that all of my reading turned to neuroscience, trauma loss attachment adoption um you know the teenage brain and and it was and and the 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 way that i do my my role because i do see my role this is a bit of a, a controversial view but i see my role as a mother i have two aspects to it so i am my kid's mom but my role as an adoptive mother is slightly different, and it and it's a it, it has to be a professional role. I have to be the advocate, the case manager, um, and and you have and for the first few years, I didn't want that. I just wanted to be their ma'am. That was it. Love was enough. That was it. And that's not true. That's not the case. Um, because our people come with needs that you need to be. And, and in my previous life as a professional, um, I was very, very good at my job. I was super efficient. Um, you know, I did it to the best of my ability all of the time. And I was so organized. And a huge turning point in my life with the kids came when I decided to buy a filing cabinet for each child. And I decided that it was okay and that I wasn't being harsh or called to treat that aspect of my life with them in a professional manner. And it it started, it it made me get a better handle on things and cope with things a bit better. So back to the original question about podcasting, I found that my bedside table, my coffee table, the kitchen, it was becoming drenched with books that when you looked at the title of them, they weren't particularly positive titles. However, when you just press and play and you've got your headphones on or you're driving in the car, I'm getting all because I need the information that's in those books, but to have them lying about sometimes has the opposite effect on my mental health. Where podcasting, I access it, I allow it into my ears when I want it there, and then it's gone. I don't have to, I'm not looking at it, I don't have to find a place for it, I'm not staring at these things about um, you know, how trauma and and you know how to navigate things like that so I think that's another huge plus to podcasting in our situation as adoptive parents.
0: I agree with you Claire and I'm, I'm in the same boat as you that I love to read also but yeah the past especially the past five years and in the three and a half years since we received our son's diagnosis, it's been all like, (laughs) like you said, drama and, and, you know, mental health and and just everything. And, and that really is a lovely point about podcasting is you hear the information, you digest the information and then you don't have to be reminded Mm -hmm. of it unless you want to hear it again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can, you can hear it and then you can move on and go back to more personal, enjoyable aspects. And yeah, I I love that about podcasting. It, It really is almost like a lecture in, in your headphones or inspiration in your headphones what you know whatever the topic may be. that's a that's a wonderful point. So we are going to wrap up our conversation and I'm sure this will not be the the last conversation we'll have. We will do this again in yeah, 2021 um, because again we we podcasters and, and moms and advocates we need to you know stick together no matter where we are. as we wrap up this conversation, I'd like to ask each of you, uh, we end FASD hope in what we call a hope takeaway. So something that our listeners can, can carry that, you know, with them for that week or about hope and FASD, which is something that normally are two words that are not associated you know, with each other. So um, whoever would like to go first, what is your hope or what, what are words of hope that you can offer our
2: audience? I think that I've, I've had this conversation with somebody else this week and if you, because we're pro, when you're living with FeSd or, or your parent in FASD, you are predominantly, you're a detective, and you're a problem solver and you're a situation calmer and they are the things that you're always looking for but actually if you take a little step further back, the good points so hugely outweigh, when, when the downsides happen, they are, they're pretty big and they often they feel catastrophic when they're happening, but the plus points and my children have got the most creative, creative and caring personalities and, and brains because of their, of their differences. And I think that's something that I've started to make, I've reminded myself of this week, started to make myself do a little bit more. i actually started writing them down. Just some of the gorgeous, funny things that happen because sometimes I have to pull myself up by my socks and say, hang on a minute, Claire, that, 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 and that happened yesterday. And you know, that was amazing. And yes, that one thing happened last night in the middle of the night, which was scary and it was traumatic and it was awful. But it's outweighed by all of those things. So I think train yourself to focus on those things because they are there and there'll be people listening to this who are in the depth of a horrible situation and they're going, no, they're not. There's none of those in my life. There really, really is because I've been there before. There really, really is if you look hard enough. So, but you've got to train yourself to do it and and talk about them out loud. And then they become your little, I call them pockets of happiness. They, They become your little pockets of happiness.
0: I love that. I love that. Jessica, how about you?
1: Um, i got kind of two things actually from sort of both aspects of my life. Um, the academic side, it's growing huge. There are so many people all around the world coming into this. And I'm like, I'm gutted that we weren't able to meet at the the international research conference this year. You know, everything got shut down, but that conference is growing it is massive there is so much research like everything there is change across the world and even in the countries where you feel like things are really really far behind and it's impossible change is definitely definitely happening and for the other side of things kind of a message to those people who may find themselves in the position that I was on my first ever day of camp thinking holy what on earth am I doing like (laughs) what is this I can't do this those people who aren't parents but are in some capacity a caregiver temporary caregiver maybe a teacher anything like that is that it like I said it can be scary but there is so much joy like my those kids honestly at at that camp like have my heart and it's it's one of the most intense emotional weeks of my entire year, but the most fulfilling and rewarding, one of, one of the most rewarding things I could ever do with my time. And, you know, I took my brother back with me last year. My brother came to work at the camp for me. And um, I said to him, like, there will be nothing else that you can do and that you can give your time to that will make you feel the reward like this will trust me fly yourself to Chicago meet me there and just trust me and I was right (laughs) he loved it he absolutely loved it
0: and it's the truth you both point out so so perfectly that there are celebrations that we experience that nobody else gets to experience. And there I, I like to say too that, that we have victories that nobody else understands, but we do. you know, for example, sleeping through the night or you know, something where people take for granted, we get to celebrate those victories in a different way, which I think is is so important to keep in your mind when you're in those trenches, when you're in that dark, you know, the, those dark shadows and you don't know, knowing that you can, there are celebrations. And I love, Claire, your, your analogy of just, you know, always thinking of those positive things. And I also, I, I think that it's just important for each, and I've, I've said this repeatedly, but for each, uh, you know, the three of us talking about FASD there are thousands of people who are not and who are in dark places because they don't know what to do. So, you know, that is our hope is that our words can reach them and they can start taking their steps in their journeys towards diagnoses, towards, you know, supports, towards accommodations, things like that. Thank you, Claire and Jessica for being on FASD Hope. It has been lovely chatting with you.
2: Thank you so much for having us. It's been lovely.
0: And if our listeners or anyone out there would like to get in touch with you, um, what's the best way to, to contact you?
1: We're on all the social media platforms. We have our Facebook, we have our Twitter, Instagram. Uh, You can find us on at spotlight on FASD. Uh, We also have a YouTube channel at spotlight on FASD. So we video record all our podcasts as well. You can find them on YouTube. And it goes out on all the major podcasting platforms as well. You'll find us on on Spotify and and all of those places where you would look for a podcast.
0: Wonderful. And I will also post that information and those handles and that contact information in our program notes on fasdhope.com, as well as on our social media posts and our website, fasdhope.com. Claire and Jessica, thank you again for being on FASD Hope. I hope that you all have a happy Christmas and a happy holiday and that we all have a happy and healthy 2021, definitely. And we, we move into this new year with with hope and adventure in podcasting. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out fasdhope.com, or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week, and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.